Christian School Management wants to partner with your Christian school, bringing hope. Since 2017, we have provided advice and counsel to hundreds of Christian schools. Our consultants, books, surveys, and online trustee training are Christian, research-based, and represent over 400 years of experience. Are you struggling? Our mission is to bring prosperity. Are you strong and growing? Our mission is to deepen your leadership and stewardship. Go to Christian School Management and find out more. Entheos is our free advice and counsel letter that is read by over 1,100 Christian school leaders a week. Go to christianschoolmanagement.org and sign up your leadership team. For Jesus, through mission, with students. Let CSM partner with you. The Babyface Pro FS, the last portable interface you'll ever need. Meet the world's most versatile, portable, and expandable audio interface that delivers the best audio quality wherever your creative journey takes you. The second generation of the Babyface Pro improves all elements again. Sound quality, mic pre's, instrument inputs, lowest noise, headphone IEM outs, and ultra-low latency. All RME elements are industry-leading representatives of its kind. Visit rme-usa.com. It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. You're in for a treat. Husbands and wives, lend me your ear. We have Dr. Emerson Egerich with us. Love and respect. Remember that book, Love and Respect, the respect he desperately needs. And also, the Love and Respect devotional, 52 weeks to experience love and respect in your marriage. Welcome, sir. It's an honor. Thank you, Michael. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayer.com. AirDynamic.com. Real Traps is the premier source for high-performance acoustic treatment, including bass traps, broadband absorbers, and diffusers. Once a room has been properly treated, clarity and articulation of music and speech improve enormously. Whether you're a professional recording engineer, audiophile, or a home theater owner who wants the best sound possible, upgrade your entire system with acoustic treatment from Real Traps. Visit Realtraps.com. Let's talk about you. You're an international speaker, very well respected, and no pun intended, and your book, <laughs> Love and Respect, a New York Times bestselling marriage book, two million copies sold and more. My goodness, you know, when you look at Christians and you look at, I don't know what the numbers are, but it seems like divorce, people can't really tell the difference between a, a Christian and a non-Christian. Tell us, you know, about your book, why it's been so popular, and plus you have a new one, The Love and Respect Devotional. Well, I think it's an excellent question. That summary verse in Ephesians 5, verse 33, kind of sums it all up. He said, husbands, love your wives, and wives, see to it that you respect your husbands. And I have my PhD in family studies, and I knew that the idea of respecting a man (laughs) is not something that goes over too well, because there is this, I think, cultural sentiment that uh, if you're going to respect somebody, they need to earn it, they need to deserve it. You know, certainly women feel that he's not superior to me, I'm not inferior to him, that they've somehow got to worship him. 
And so there isn't a mean spiritedness in in those comments as, as there's an underlying fear. And I was uh, recognizing a part of this message that had been neglected, that men, in my opinion, serve and die for honor. The respect component is huge to us. We don't see it as narcissistic when we honor another man. There's something that energizes that man and it, it humbles him. And uh, he responds to that. And we know that. We, can, we know it among ourselves, but it seemed to be a foreign concept to many wives. And yes. then I paralleled <laughs> over into 1 Peter 3, where the apostle Peter, in addition to Paul, Peter said, you can win a disobedient husband. He's writing 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2. You can win a disobedient husband through your respectful behavior. And there it was again, Michael. I suddenly realized this is significant. Then I looked at the Greek, and no wife is commanded to agape love. The word for love and you don't have to love them just respect them right (laughs) well it's 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 well the Titus 2 passage said the older women are to encourage younger women to love their husbands but that's phileo and to love their children it is uh, a friendly relationship but in terms of agape i believe that god designed women to love women love to love they just can't not love at the level of intimacy it's very natural to them so dr Egerich, somehow in the fabric of society the word slave came into the picture that if you're going to do all that, you know, a woman automatically somehow feels that they're going to be a slave. And they've even taken out, you know, love and obey. That was considered, you know, very traditional and so forth. But now they hear that it's uh, antiquated. So giving a husband respect, does it, why do people, even some Christian women, they think that I'm not a slave. How does slave enter the picture? I mean, I mentioned with Genesis, right? The the concept of slavery is not one that's usually associated with this, but it is the doormat being submissive, you know, just doing whatever he wants. So in that sense, you could suggest that it's a slavery relationship. But I think it's just honest misunderstanding. There's It's fear again. It's a fear that I'm going to be unloved. I'm going to be mistreated. Yes. Rather than seeing this as a, a secret hidden in plain sight to empower the woman and to basically motivate and energize and influence the spirit of the husband. Every great male leader understands if you're going to motivate, energize, influence other men, you've got to honor their deepest heart. You don't honor shameful behavior. No male mm-hmm. leader honors or respects bad behavior. The man himself doesn't honor or respect. So there's a misunderstanding. Many women think that they've got to respect bad behavior, bad choices. No, you respectfully confront those bad choices. You respectfully confront things that are not respectable. And that's the key. Just as uh, every woman instinctively knows that unconditional love doesn't mean giving a woman license to do whatever she wants. No, but you lovingly confront those. Unconditional respect and unconditional love biblically means there's no condition, no situation or circumstance that can get me to hate you or get me to show you contempt. I'm free within myself. So as a husband, when the Bible calls me to love Sarah unconditionally, I mean, most people kind of instinctively get that, but technically you could say, so do I have to give her license to do whatever she wants? Must I become her slave? Must I just, you know, just become a doormat? And really, no, no one really frames it that way, but the same argument could be applied to that because that's how this surfaces when we talk about unconditional respect toward the spirit of a man. There's must be, I guess, a million stressors, you know, going on. And somehow you understand that you make in your books as well. Uh, people understand that this is a can be very touchy marriage, uh, people walking on eggshells and so forth. So essentially, do we have to just learn how to communicate all over again? Huh? One of my messages is I believe that people have basic goodwill. First Corinthians 7, 33 and 34. Paul said the husband is concerned about how to please his wife and the wife is concerned 
how to please her husband. I mean, he could have said, you're horrible sinners, you're selfish people, and that's the reason you have problems. But I take the position that many of these conflicts are the result of honest misunderstanding. And that communication, people say, is the key to a successful marriage. And I actually take that a step farther. It's mutual understanding, that we each have to have an understanding of the other's vocabulary. He speaks blue, she speaks pink. And if we don't understand that, we misinterpret the other person. And I think that's what causes people to get derailed. Because when I proposed to Sarah back many years ago, I didn't say to Sarah, you know, you hate me and I hate you, so let's get married. You know, (laughs) it doesn't go down that way, Michael, as you well know. So how do two people who care deeply for each other more than any other person on the planet, so to speak, end up divorcing? And I believe it's because in those early years, they just have these ongoing misunderstandings. You know, when we're in a foreign country and we're trying to get a message through to someone who doesn't speak our language and they're not getting it, what do we do? Well, I mean, we get angry. And and we start talking louder. That's right. We just start raising our voice as though if I show more emotion and get louder, they're going to hear me. Then it's an innocent thing. It's not mean-spirited. We're really trying to get a message through. And that happens in marriage then. Those first several years, what do we do? She starts yelling louder because he's not understanding me. You're not hearing me. This isn't rocket science. You should be able to figure this out. And he's saying the same thing. What is my wife trying to say to me? What does she mean when she's coming to me this way? What does he mean when he's withdrawing? Shawnee Feldhahn, a good friend and researcher, said women live in this constant anxiety that they're three conversations away from hearing their husbands say to them, I do not love you and I'm leaving you. Mm. And so they seek ongoing reassurance. They're not trying to point out to the husband that he's a failure. They're trying to appeal to the husband to help her feel like she's succeeding in this relationship. You have to be half psychologist and half pastor. The kind of insight, both uh, biblically, psychologically, and spiritually. I mean, there's a lot going on. Dr. Emerson uh, Egerich, internationally known public speaker on the topic of marriage, parenting, communication, and more. And his books, you got to get New York Times bestselling author, Two Million, called Love and Respect. Uh, the love she most desires and the respect he desperately needs. Also, brand new, the love and respect devotional, 52 weeks to experience love and respect in your marriage. We'll be right back with Dr. Emerson Egerich right after this. Real Traps is the premier source for high-performance acoustic treatment, including bass traps, broadband absorbers, and diffusers. Once a room has been properly treated, clarity and articulation of music and speech improve enormously. Our clients include famous mixing and mastering engineers, corporations, and even a research lab at MIT. Whether you're a professional recording engineer, audiophile, or home theater owner who wants the best sound possible. Upgrade your entire system with acoustic treatment from Realtraps. Visit Realtraps.com. Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions. The ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. Okay, we're back with Dr. Emerson Egerich. He's an internationally known speaker, and uh, the topic, of course, is love and respect. And I, I almost feel like <laughs> you must get this all the time, the Frank Sinatra song, you know, love and marriage. I feel like we should be playing that in, in the background. But, <laughs> but in your book, it says, uh, you know, of course, the title even, the love she most desires, and the respect he desperately needs. I imagine, you know, getting those two things, right? Love and respect. 
there are some people out there that uh, they hear firm boundaries, scriptural boundaries that God sets, and people get offended by it. Why is that? Well, if you're talking, yeah, if I understand the question correctly, yeah, I mean, the larger issue, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and so I had to come to a point where, do I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that uh, he died on the cross for my sins, and that he is who he claims? I placed my faith in him, and so then I had to come to that point where I said, did he speak uh, through the apostles? Did he speak through Paul, for instance, and Peter? I came to a point intellectually where I made a decision. I believe that this isn't just some man-made teaching, but it's from the very heart of God, and that he has a purpose in this. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I believe that, and so I think people who are pushing back, and they have to ask themselves, well, have I dismissed Christ and and the apostles? And that's an important question, and all of us have to grapple with that. That can be an honest intellectual pursuit. So I think if they're not wanting to come under Christ's lordship, then that's going to be true across the board on many other levels, not just in the marital area. But I also think there's some appropriate fears people have that, what do you mean respecting the man that we alluded to earlier? And I think that needs patience and time and, and give a wife, in this case, that opportunity to think this through and and think about whether or not this could actually be the key to opening up her husband's heart. Every woman I know wants to connect with her husband. She wants to connect. To connect is a driving desire of her heart. And I take the position that this really is the key to connecting with her husband. But it's counterintuitive. And so then the question is, will she trust what I'm saying? Will she pursue this and in good faith? and uh, just see what happens. And if she has sons, she has boys, ask herself, how do I want their future wives to talk to them? Do I want their wives to talk to them the way I talk to my husband? And many women will say to me, Emerson, I have no idea what respect is. I say, well, do you know what disrespect is? (laughs) They'll say, oh yeah, I got that down. Yeah, I got (laughs) that down. And so we know, we kind of intuitively know the negative. Men know when they're being harsh and angry and I say to men, if you just stop that, you're going to send a message of love to her in a way that just really energizes her. So, yeah, but I can't answer all the reasons why people stiff arm the message. Yeah. Jesus says marriage is hard. You know, I mean, he's, it's difficult and a lot of people can't uh, handle it, that there's a hardness of the heart, right? That keeps people from, you know, staying happily married. And and let me ask you a question because, you know, you're an expert, wonderful uh, speaker to listen to in your books as well. Love and Respect, one of the books we're talking about right now. Have you ever slipped in your own marriage and said, oh my goodness, wait a minute, I'm an author here on this subject, I'm, a, I'm an international speaker, but uh, what am I doing here? Sarah picked up my Love and Respect book once and chased me around the house <laughs> saying, what would you say to a husband treating his wife the way you're treating her? Oh, I like yeah, that. So, I mean, I think we try to let people know that no one's going to do this perfectly. Only one person walked on water, mm. and uh, none of us are going to walk on water on this, but if 80% of the time we're reacting in unloving and disrespectful ways, which I call the crazy cycle, without love, she reacts without respect, without respect, he reacts without love, without love, she reacts without respect, without respect, and this baby spins. And given, we all need love and respect equally, but we've asked 7,000 people this question, when you're in a conflict with your spouse, do you feel unloved at that moment or disrespected? Almost 83 to 84% of the men said they feel disrespected, And 72% of the women say they feel unloved. And so the felt need is there. We all need love and respect equally. She needs respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Oh, man, you just took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, I mean, exactly. But it was (laughs) Otis Redding wrote that song, and Aretha Franklin took it. Did you know that he wrote that song to his wife? 
Yeah, that's where he said, that little girl stole my song, something like that. She stole <laughs> my song. The idea here is that we all need love and respect equally, but the felt need during conflict tends to lean in that direction. So then we have to ask ourselves, hey, when we're in this conflict as a husband, I'm feeling disrespected. I don't feel like I deserve this. No one tr talks to me the way uh, that she does. And so then he'll shut down or he'll, he'll end up doing things that feels unloving to her. And he doesn't see it because he's feeling disrespected. And when she feels unloved, she moves at him. She gets aggressive. She points her finger. She puts her hand on the hip. She sighs. She rolls her eyes. These are the gestures of contempt that the University of Washington unpacked. And so she's now feeling unloved and insecure, and she expects him to decode why she's reacting mm. this way so that he'll say, I'm so sorry for hurting your feelings. But he doesn't. He just goes quiet, and she feels even more unloved. Passive you aggressive. talk about two people of goodwill now who are on this crazy cycle, and they don't even know they're on the crazy cycle. They don't know how to get off the crazy cycle. And they begin to feel devalued because they keep yelling louder, treat me differently, and the other isn't getting it. And then they get exhausted, and that's when people begin to feel they made a mistake. Yeah. They begin to think, I don't really want to be in this relationship. Uh, well, you know, I want to ask you, uh, there are two, how about this? Because you brought up Aretha Franklin, and I was just thinking of it when you said that. I was going to say, what songs do you think best illustrate the concepts you're trying to get through with uh, love and respect as far as, uh, well, there we mentioned the song Respect. And also, what movies do you find? I know there was a movie Marriage Story, which was very uh, popular with, uh, I guess, marriage counselors. Any movies and songs that you feel they really got it? Well, I mean, there are a lot of love songs. And I think the, I call it the pink culture or the feminine perspective, because women, you know, respond to certain kinds of movies and certain kinds of songs. And there aren't that many movies or songs that are written from the standpoint of how the man feels. We've not done a good job of unpacking that. But there are movies out there, whether it's The Gladiator or even The Cinderella Man. There are movies out there where the woman really believes in her man and honors the man. There's an honorable man. And, and so you look at the movies that men watch and you'll get an insight into their character and what motivates them and how they feel. And so it's important that we pay attention to songs and movies, but make sure we don't just pay attention to the ones that speak to us and say, therefore, this is absolute truth that applies across the board. Usually it's just half the equation. Who do you think would be a very happily married person in the scriptures? I mean, just looking at the Bible, what rings out to you that this person would be a great wife and a great husband? Well, I think um, Priscilla and Aquila, I've done some writing on that. They were a team that ministered alongside of Paul, and they actually were in Corinth with him. And I'm writing a book called The Win-Win Marriage based on 1 Corinthians 7. I have this hunch that Priscilla and Aquila, there's no indication of any negative comments about them as a couple. Paul had his tensions at times with Peter or Barnabas. You'll see him make comments and or conduct himself in ways that confronted Peter for his hypocrisy. He never said anything negative about this couple. And I have a hunch that he watched them at Corinth and 1 Corinthians 7 can best be explained through the success of that marriage. You mentioned in your book, the Love and Respect Devotional, that's 52 weeks to experience love and respect in your marriage, that uh, it could be awkward even, you know, to have uh, devotionals, husbands, and all of a sudden they have to open up and be a little vulnerable and so forth. And, and I guess there's some women who kind of use that uh, to their maybe advantage, almost a manipulative, if you will, knowing it's not the husband's strong suit. But what do we do here? How do these devotionals help serve as the glue to bring husband and wives together? Well, you've captured in those comments the problem that we have. I think women are natural and, and desirous of these types of devotionals because 
they are hopeful it will result in the two of them talking about their relationship and that she's not, again, ill-willed about that, but the motivation there isn't something that they clearly see. And men pick up on that very quickly, that this is going to turn and it's going to be about me and where I need to change. And um, that can be an overstatement on the part of the male. But I precisely wrote this book because uh, I am attempting to be husband-friendly, male-friendly. And this devotional is not 365 days. It's 52, one a week, because you, you overwhelm men. And it's not that men are indifferent to these things. They just are wired differently and are energized yes. differently. Mm -hmm. And so there needs to be a, a meeting halfway here. And so the comment that a wife can make to her husband if she purchases, Emerson is saying this is male-friendly. We do one a week. And uh, he uses vocabulary that I need to understand about how you as a man, you know, thinks and feels. And could we try several of these and see if this captures some of your thinking? One of the things I say is men are not indifferent to marriage. Look at the courtship. Men are not indifferent to relationships. But there is this belief out there that somehow they don't have the emotional intelligence and they need to change several years into the marriage. That's possibly true. Uh, could very well be true. I can't speak to every situation. The other side is if we don't understand how he processes, how he thinks, he will distance himself, not because he wants to, but because he lives in the fear of contempt. He would literally die for her, but he is not hardwired to live with this ongoing negative right. attitude at, that is really condescending and shows disgust toward him. Now, she does that with the hope of motivating him to change and be more understanding of him, but that won't work. And so what we have done is created this system, we might say, of love and respect to help wives understand that, but also to, I think, set men at ease. Just trust me here, men. Engage her with this. She's really not trying to put you down. She's not trying to diss you. She just doesn't understand this. And if you go through this devotional, for instance, it's going to give you an opportunity to use words that will capture what you feel. A lot of men have said, you said in five minutes when I talk about the crazy cycle, everything I've been trying to communicate to my wife for 50 years. And uh, so men struggle. Mm -hmm. And, and if they do say you're not respecting me, she dismisses that as narcissistic and egotistical. He's trying to say, I have a need here that only you can meet. But we've not done a good a job in the church or the culture to defend what that man is saying. But I say to mothers of sons, your boy's going to say it when he's 16. Mm -hmm. He's going to say it to his wife. It's within us. It's within us as male. So instead of saying he ought not to feel that way, let's work with God's design and come up with vocabulary words that will soften his spirit and result in connecting. Let's talk about that. The culture that we're in today, obviously things have changed, and this is a biblical book, and uh, and people that you're going to reach everybody, though, Christians, non-Christians, and this culture is different. It seems like even the word submit, even in church circles, uh, people get testy on that, you know? Respect is another, perhaps, a trigger word. Is it difficult to reach people I mean, just as hard at Christians, non-Christians with the culture and with these words that somebody has to give, right? I mean, should Christian women be upset that there are certain, you know, submissive tendencies that even, you know, the Lord suggests is good for every marriage? And uh, just the fact that you say to submit, how does that set women off? Well, they hear that to mean that she has no voice, that her opinion doesn't matter, and that she needs to acquiesce to whatever it is that he wants to do. And uh, that just is going to send her through the roof, as it would any employee toward a manager of sorts. But from a biblical standpoint, when 
Paul talks about submission in Ephesians 5. He talks about wives submitting to their husbands. He talks about husbands loving their wives. And then he summarizes, husbands, love your wives. That connects with what he just said. Then he says, and wives, see to it that you respect your husbands. Well, why didn't he say submit? And why does he say respect? That doesn't Mm. fit the outline. He talks with submission, love. Then he summarizes love and respect. (laughs) Why? I'll answer that in a moment. Peter does the same thing. You wives, be submissive to your own husbands so that if any of them are disobedient the word, they can be one without a word by your, you would think, submissive behavior. No, respectful behavior. One of the things that's liberated many wives, Michael, is when I say, look, there's also mutual submission in Ephesians 5.21, and here's how this plays out. Sarah and I mutually submit to each other. How? Not in decision-making. I don't say to Sarah, here's $50, you take it. No, you take the $50, I submit to you. No, I submit to you, you take it. <laughs> it, it doesn't apply to decision-making. It's adnitudinal that happens simultaneously. I submit to Sarah's need to feel love for who she is when we're in conflict, and Sarah submits to my need to feel respected for who I am, a man created in the image of God. She's not called to respect bad behavior. She's called to submit to my need to be treated respectfully, and she needs to guard against those looks of disgust or whatever, just as I need to guard against withdrawing in anger and harshness. These are killers of intimacy. But when I say to women, submission means submitting to his need for respect. I don't know how many women have said, you have created a proactive, giving perspective here. I can Mm. do that. What you're saying is I'm giving something to my husband that he needs. You're not saying that I just got to go along with the game plan. No, you don't need to go along with the game plan. Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira lost her life because she went along with Ananias's lie. There's a boundary, there's a limit. At the same time, I believe if you've Two people who have goodwill, who are seeking God's will. Almost every Christian woman in the church knows that God caused the husband to be the spiritual leader, and every wife wants her husband. Are you to sure be about that? Leader. That every <laughs> there are a lot of women on YouTube that don't they don't believe that. They believe what? They believe that that is archaic or something. I mean, there's some people that hear that, and but this is what holds marriages together as far as when there's loving submission, and uh, the Lord says a lot of things that people don't want to do. Well, that, and we're taking that as the broad brushstroke. There are people who resist that for any number of reasons. But I'm pointing out my experience, Michael, in the church is when I'm sitting down with a godly woman, and, and there is a criteria here that she loves the Lord, she believes in the Lord, she wants her husband to be the spiritual leader. I haven't had a woman yet say, I want to be the spiritual leader in this. She wants him to initiate prayer. She wants him to serve the children with the things of Christ. There is a longing in almost every woman that I've met who loves the Lord for her husband to be in that role. She doesn't resist that role. She just wants to make sure that he fulfills that role in the way that pleases Christ, right? So I take a strong stand on that because of my experience with many people on an individual basis. Now, if that's labeled as somehow he's in charge and he gets his way, I'll stand up and resist that as well. But when I unpack this in the way that I'm doing, most women are very responsive to that. And then they're especially responsive when I say, look, You aren't to go along with everything he says, but Mm. if there comes a moment when you've got to make a decision, he's good-willed, he's seeking God's will, you're good-willed and seeking God's will, he's responsible before Jesus Christ. You're not, there's no scripture that says you're the head. So in the event, philosophically, theologically, that happens, and it's never happened in Sarah and my relationship. I haven't said, you need to submit. I never said to her, submit to me. But we have in this belief system that if push comes to shove, Sarah says, yeah, that's your call because you're responsible and you're going to be judged for that. And so most women have that sentiment in their heart, but usually you don't need to get there. And my encouragement is 
you have a respectful attitude, and when you yes. do, you're submitting to his need, and you can address almost any issue, and you can tell him, I object to 18 things you've just said. I want to honor you. You're an honorable man. I know you would die for me if I don't kill you first, And uh, but here's all the reasons no why I think him. that's a bad idea. I hope you don't hear me as trying to diss you, because I'm not. I see myself as supporting you in this, and uh, can you hear my heart on this? Yes. Very few men that I know, if that's genuinely done, are going to resist that long term. Dr. Angerich, I want to ask you, because just based on what you're saying, and you know more than anybody that marriage can be contentious, and in the keys are in your book as far as how, I want to say it again, love and respect, uh, the love she most desires and the respect he desperately needs. A world-class speaker here, uh, Dr. Emerson Angerich, in his other book, The Love and Respect Devotional, 52 Weeks to Experience Love and Respect in Your Marriage. But some women take it and they hear about, well, you know, Submit, be quiet, perhaps, and honor and, and reverence your husband. And then the topic of abuse comes into the picture. People hear about that and say, well, and that is such a difficult thing. And I'm sure you flat out don't at all condone abuse. Of course, there's nothing in your books that says you do. But somehow people misconstrue that if you're submissive, then you're going to open yourself up to abuse. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, that's that's how that gets labeled. That's why my campaign has always been toward couples of goodwill based on 1 Corinthians 7, 33 and 34. I said, I'm not here to judge every uh, situation. If there's evil will, if there's evil intent, if there's physical harm. When I was two and a half, I witnessed my dad attempt to strangle my mother to death. Mm. And uh, I wet the bed until I was 11. I was oh. eventually sent to military school and I was 13 due to family problems. My dad committed adultery. And I found that out when I was about 11 or 12. I spoke to 17,000 or 12,000 students at Liberty University Convo on being the wounded healer. So I am the product of abuse. I have gone on record all my life about that. But I've also, when I've been interviewed on hundreds of radio stations, if you have an open question, they're going to ask the question about abuse. And I've always said, I'm here to serve couples of goodwill. The abuse issue, there are shelters out there, there are authorities out there. You need to turn toward pastors, counselors for that help. My campaign has been based on 1 Corinthians 7, 33 and 34, that I'm assuming basic goodwill here, that there is not that kind of abuse going on, and that a husband is to love his wife. And I devote six chapters on how to love a woman. So if there are those who say, well, this message leads to abuse, that's because the person is not listening to what I'm saying. Exactly. Nor my personal experience, nor my exposition of Scripture. They're just ignoring it. This book is beautiful and solid. Again, love and respect. Our special guest, Dr. Emerson Eggerich. Lastly, I'd like to ask if you pray. We have about a minute and a half or so. If you'd if you pray for uh, people who are in marriage, who need your books, who need your uh, workshops, even. And what would you say also in addendum with about a minute and a half left? What is the most beautiful thing that you can tell people about marriage? Well, I think even as we close in prayer, that God is for you and that He joined you together. I've asked how many couples do you believe God joined you together? Most will say yes, and then they get derailed. And one of my missions is to help them be reminded that God is for them, that he's going to use these things. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, 28, if you marry, you've not sinned, but you will have trouble. There's going to be honest, special challenges that are not sinful. It's just these misunderstandings. And the Lord has given us wisdom on how to resolve some of that. But in the larger scheme of things, he's called you. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, that win-win marriage book that I'm working on, nine times he tells the people they were called, nine times. And I encourage each person to revisit that belief. It's deep within their hearts. I believe that. And let's hold on to that. 
and allow God to show you that He's for you. God bless you. Dr. Emerson Egerich, get his books, The Love and Respect Devotional, and Love and Respect, and the work that you do is truly amazing. Thank you for being on the program. Thank you. You're a delight, Michael. Our sponsors, with over 90 years' experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand, from headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit North Dash America. America.bayerdynamic.com. Real Traps is the premier source for high-performance acoustic treatment, including bass traps, broadband absorbers, and diffusers. Once a room has been properly treated, clarity and articulation of music and speech improve enormously. Whether you're a professional recording engineer, audiophile, or home theater owner who wants the best sound possible, upgrade your entire system with acoustic treatment from Real Traps. Visit realtraps.com.